Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Girl on the Train, directed by Tate Taylor and released in 2016. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A woman who catches the train every day gets too involved in the lives of people whose homes she passes. Is it? <laughs> I suppose kind of. I was well, She was I've, kind of already involved in their lives, but sure. I, well, I, I could either write a woman catches the train every day and watches her old life go past yeah. or she but she also gets too involved in it. I could there's I had to make one sentence. I understand that. But it's like And also I didn't want to spoil it's people. It's a it's going to be a very hard movie to to give a brief summary about without yeah, spoiling it. It is. So, so spoilers. Spoiler alert. Um yeah, so come back if you haven't seen it. All right, that's enough time. So yeah, I I had a very difficult time trying to write a one sentence summary of this yeah. movie because there is all these threads tied up together, which I guess belies its roots as a novel. Yes, it definitely felt like a movie of a novel. Um, this movie I wanted so hard to like it. There were so many times when I was kind of rooting for it to work. Um, you know, it's it's got this really great female cast. You know, no women of color, but for the most part, a really great female cast. It's got, and it's so focused on women. Like the story is so much about women and, and um, about women's lives and things like that, mm. that the men barely kind of feature in it at all. Um, but this movie's a mess. Narratively, it's a total disaster zone. Um, you're trying to navigate three people's point of view at different time zones. And yeah. It's, at timelines well, and it keeps yeah. flashing back to before yeah. it happened and every time it did it I just I you probably heard me just go Ugh, and it's it's only so it seems to be only Haley Bennett's character who has the flashbacks too it's they but never, she's already dead yeah that's because she's already dead in the present or she dies in the present but Emily Blunt's character and Rebecca Ferguson's character are, are in the present and it gets confusing because you see this it flash to four months ago or whatever and you have her talking to her therapist blah 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 and then you are back with um you're back in the present with with Rachel and you're like, huh? Wait, wait, this isn't four months ago? She's, she's, this is, ah, where are we? That is really frustrating because what it feels like is that Rachel is somehow flashing back to Megan's past. Yeah. Right? Like it is. It feels like Rachel is having flashbacks to Megan's past. No, at no point does it feel more like that than at the very end of the movie. I know we're jumping straight to the end, but there's a moment at the end of the movie where Emily, uh, where Rachel gets knocked out by Justin Theroux. And then when she gets knocked out, there's a flashback to the night that he killed Megan, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, what? She can't be having this flashback. And as soon as it's finished, she's woken up. It's like she had a dream about exactly what happened the night that Megan died. And it's so baffling and so confusing and so frustrating that, like, it it undermines the whole kind of movie. Yeah. Where, uh, in a novel, I can imagine they might have had – you know, it might have been that that might have been the very last. What was her the character's name? Emily, Rachel, Megan, Megan. the very last Megan chapter. Like if they had, if in the novel there were Rachel, Megan, and Anna chapters, that would make sense. Yeah, but it in the the way it's shot doesn't make sense at all. No, it doesn't make any sense. It, it it's confusing and and silly. Um, there's that problem. There's the relocation problem. Which, like, you told me it was supposed to be set in England at the end of the movie. And I'm like, yeah, that makes so much more sense. Because they've got all these English actors to start with, or non-American actors. Um, the story is so English. Like, this woman who goes on the train every day and has to pass all of this stuff is mm. so much more about England than it is about America. Um, it just doesn't work as an American story. 
and you've got all these English actors or these actors trying to put on accents with some to more greater effect than others. And then Emily Blunt's character is just English. Yeah. It's confusing. And then, and then you've got Kamal Abdig, I think it is, played by Edgar Ramirez, putting on a more heavy, like a heavy Latino accent. Yep. And speaking Spanish at one point. Kamal, Kamal is not a Latino name. And like, why would, why wouldn't you just cast an Indian actor, actor with an Indian background? Or it's just not change hard. the name of the, I mean, if you insist on putting somebody who's not um, an Indian actor in there, at least give him a different name. Well, I guess they're giving, they're giving Aziz Ansari some material for season two of his show. Yeah, <laughs> the next time he does an Indians on TV episode, because what is a guy named Kamal doing being played by? Uh, and then you've got Rebecca Ferguson who is very clearly speaking with some kind of European accent that I think is trying to do an American accent and is playing a character called Anna Boyd, which, again, makes no sense. Like, Anna by itself, I was like, oh, okay, she's, like, also foreign. But then they say her last name is Boyd, she's Anna Boyd, and you're like, what? This is clearly supposed to be, like, a middle American woman, you know, like, or a higher-class American woman. Like, you know, this is... It's clearly yeah, what and the this way character's she, supposed and to the be. Way she's, she's just basically yeah. a housewife. Well, yeah, the way she's styled, the fact that she only has one baby and she has a nanny, like all that kind of stuff. Well, it seems like the movie's kind of implying that she had some kind of like health issues because she was always so tired. Um, and I, I just thought that was she had a baby. See, <laughs> like, I was people confused. People have babies are tired. I know, but I was confused as well because there's a bit where she comes in and sees the baby in the bath, but then she's in bed and the baby gets brought to her. And there's another time when she's just asleep on the couch and then um, Rachel can just walk into the house. Well, see, the sleep on the couch thing I just assumed was she's in, like a newish mum and okay. she's exhausted. is because um, especially if the nanny's not there, it, it makes sense that she would probably fall asleep in the middle of the afternoon when she's like absolutely exhausted from being up yeah. all night with the kid. I, but I could the, sort yeah, of the bit where had, I think I made things up in my head to try and make yeah, sense. Yeah, but the of bit the where Megan brings after the bath brings the baby into her bed is a little odd. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is that maybe the baby's still co-sleeping and she like mum puts it asleep in bed and then I don't know. It's very odd. I, I thought that was strange. But then there, she has this whole rant about how, oh, it's so hard for her to have to buy the right foods and stuff. And oh, I like, know. What yeah, are you she, talking about? Like, yeah, she goes on about how, yeah. Which, see, there is a point, though, which is really undermined by the fact that all she talks about is how she's got to go shopping and go to the farmer's market. There's a point about the fact that, like, actually raising kids is a full-time job mm. and it, it is for a lot of women. And especially in that first year, like should, the baby's not even one yet, like so it's not unusual that she'd still be on maternity leave, right? But or at least in Australia or in England, that would be quite normal. Um, but it completely undermines the point that like raising a kid is actually work, right? And it's hard work, and it's relentless and unforgiving. Well, she says that to Megan as Megan's trying to right quit. And, and she says she's, it's the most important job in the world, which is obviously said ironically and at that point, which is good because that's a that's very like. That kind of speaks to a, a not, it's not a woman director, but a woman writer. The fact that they left that line in about raising a kid is the most important job in the world. And Rebecca Ferguson, who is, I'm pretty sure herself, her mother, says it in this like ironic mm. sort of tone of voice, which is great because you hear that line all the time. And it's obviously stupid because if it really was the most important job in the world, it'd be um, compensated accordingly, right? So, like, the, 
It's no, it wouldn't probably, but um, <laughs> but anyway, um, since women's work is undervalued, but, but that's, at the, same no, time, that's it the whole is, point. People it say that it's the most important job, so they can get away with not compensating it, right? If it really were an important job that was valued, it would be compensated accordingly. I do not think the irony in that line is there. I think it's in the con- in the fact that she wasn't actually doing the no, she wasn't right? mothering. She wasn't yeah. actually raising the child. She was. She was like. No. Right, it, that was the irony in that line there. Yeah, but um, and the the movie does focus a lot on kids and birth and women having babies, fertility. Because Rachel yeah. can't have children. Um, Megan's backstory is that she killed her baby by accident. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then Anna's got this baby. Um, all girls too. <laughs> the they're all girls, but um, but then you've also got Alice and Jenny, who's like motherly status. You know nothing about um you. And she's an interesting character as well, um, one that I would have liked to see more of. And then, like, Lisa Kudrow is the boss's wife, which I thought was really fun. Yeah. Was I was like, hey, it's cameo. So cool. um, Yeah. But, yeah, it was really interesting. It, the biggest flaw, I think, in this movie for me as a thriller was that I knew who did it in in the first few minutes of knowing what the movie was about. I was just like, oh, the husband. It was the like the – Yeah. If there is a nanny in a movie, the husband is definitely sleeping with the nanny. And if the nanny gets murdered, of course it's the husband. Right. Who's also I, Rachel's ex-husband. He's the yeah. only man that they all have in common. It's the only – Yeah. And Luke, Luke Evans's character is sort of portrayed as being – I mean, and it seems like he is abusive to his wife, but and he's also Luke Evans, so he's kind of portrayed as being big and a bit scary. Uh, but it's too obvious. Like he's too mm. early, too obvious that it would be the nanny's husband who did it. So it's yeah. obviously the dad. And Edgar Ramirez is basically portrayed as like the sweetest person ever. Yeah. Um, with with very little to do though. He doesn't say much. Um, but he no. He's... And oh, other than like, and and he lets her walk all over him as well. Like he he's like, oh, he, he keeps saying things like, "This is inappropriate. We can't do this." And then he kind of like, instead of. You know, when he she- doesn't say it's inappropriate at any point ever. Yes, he does. When? Bit where you went out to the toilet. Oh. <laughs> in the bit where he speaks Spanish. In the whole thing, he never says that. Because so, like so there's that I saw. Because there's this bit where she comes to his house and he's like, yeah. You shouldn't be well, no, here that, and then this he is does why nothing. Because she goes to him um and has they have a therapy session and she like starts to hug him and try to start undress him, right? And he's like, No, back off. We can't if you do this, we can't be like this I could lose my job, this is very unprofessional. And um and then he shouts at her in Spanish, but then he lets her keep coming back, mm-hmm. like again and again. And he's like, he knows that this has gone too far. He knows he should know that this has got had gone too far. When I think it's a four month ago flashback where she starts touching herself in the session, like that should have been his signal to say, "I'm going to move you to another therapist." But no, but the move you to an I don't necessarily think he should have done that because that was to me what read like a, a manipulative act. Yeah. There's lots of therapists who would have to move through something like that and continue to work with that patient. Mm. I don't think that in itself was wrong, but like when she starts to make a move on him, that's when he should have done it. But even yeah. then, like a lot of therapists have to kind of deal with that sort of thing as manipulative behavior right. and stuff. Yes, but um, in, uh, and he still kind of just like not not only like keeps seeing he comes to her house. Yeah, I think the bigger problem is that he lets her come to his and then and then she and then he goes to her house. Like yeah. no, yeah, and then that's clearly cross the line but at the same time you never think he's the bad guy there's no, never no, no. a moment where you think he might have killed her no like he's much too nice nice in this movie <laughs> he's the only man in this movie who's portrayed as nice at all yeah um, whereas the others are all manipulative or abusive or something uh-huh. except that guy who tries to help up the red- man on the train the red-headed guy <laughs> yeah um 
but um, he, he, yeah, he seems to be like he catches the train every day and he seems to be genuinely concerned about her. Yeah. Which is kind of sweet, I thought. Yeah, it was interesting. And you kind of feel like, why is he stalking her? And you find out that he's just yeah. there as well. Um, yeah. Although he's on the train every time she is. And I don't know whether she's – she says, I catch the train two times a day. It seemed to me like she just camped out on that train all the time. Well, there is a scene where she sits in a park in Manhattan, like, drawing. Yeah, but so she- I feel like she gets the train in – like. Because she's still pretending to her friend that she's living with that she's got a job. So Laura uh, Prepon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who is mothering her. <laughs> she doesn't have any actual kids. She's got to mother her same aged alcoholic peer. Um, but she um she, she's pretending she has a job. So I I think she actually just catches the train to Manhattan, sits around all day drinking and drawing and whatever, and then drives gets on the train home again. But it sometimes she sometimes she's on there at different times of the day. Like there are times when you see her with their school children on the train as well at the same time. And there are other times like she says that she gets off at six o'clock the night that um, Megan is killed. Mm. So Yeah, that was it, why it was so confusing to me because I'm like, when when are you on this train? Like you're not clearly not on it two times a day because you see everything about these people's lives. It's ridiculous. Well, I think um, she's seeing everything because she is she's – they only focus on the bits where she's going past the houses of the people, you know, where she used to live. And obviously she's got a crush on Megan as well. Right. But there's this weird convenience to this movie that, like, this is, I think, the the, the things that it fails as beca- at because it's a thriller, uh, obvi- it's really obvious who did it, um, but it's also kind of like it's there's so much convenience. Like, do these people know anybody outside of this group of people? <laughs> there's a point at which um, Luke Evans's character goes to Emily Blunt's house and goes, I don't have anywhere else to go. And you're like... What are you talking about? Do you not have any other friends outside? Like, his wife just died. Does he not have parents or siblings or like no one? Yeah, this, I don't, this woman, she's posing as a friend of his his is, dead wife. Yeah, but still, oh, she's yeah. just missing at that point. But still, like, why would you go there? That, yeah, exactly. And he he has no friends. But uh, the, a couple of times I was thinking about that because they do say that um, Megan had lost her brother and then both her parents had died too. So it makes sense that she doesn't have family. But yeah. the others would have family. Like Rebecca Ferguson would definitely have, I feel like, an interfering mother. Well, no, because she's clearly not American. <laughs> right. But like <laughs> – They're it, all back in yeah. Europe. Like, like you know, does does nobody have family? Like even right. if they don't have friends, they would probably have – they're probably Rachel family around, especially ta- with a baby. Like, nobody. Nobody yeah. has anybody. Like Rachel is living with her friend. Like, I mean, again, she's an alcoholic possibly – her whole family's kicked her out, but it seems like the husband is the one who's turned her into the alcoholic. So, what did she not have no, a family to go I back to? I think she was. She was always uh, like. I don't think it's making excuses for her alcoholism. She's always been an alcoholic, but like, the, and it wasn't her husband. It was the fact that she couldn't have a baby. Then she became depressed, and the alcoholism yeah, got really bad. Right, and then she was means, drinking heavily yes, and blacking which means out. The drinking problem is only like, you know, less than five years old. Yeah. So it's not like she's always been this way, and right. the family have kicked her out or whatever. So it's also it also seems weird that she doesn't have any family or anything around. I do feel like the end of the movie kind of did make excuses for her alcohol. Like it basically just forgave her for anything Well, because she never did any of the things yeah. that she was supposed to have done, which I get was like and, – and that is a really interesting point about gaslighting and how, you know, abusive relationships do that. But at the same time, I thought it was an interesting exploration of alcoholism until that point. Yeah, although there's that scene in the therapist where she she goes to the ther- of course she goes to that therapist, and ex- <laughs> well he is really cute so <laughs> so 
but she is, yeah. But um, Emily Blunt absolutely kills it in that scene where she talks through not being able to have a baby and she was just so sad and she's like, I could feel that. Yeah, but then also she says at the end of that, I'm afraid of myself. That whole scene is brilliant. Mm. And that's the thing is this is why I keep saying I was rooting for this movie. There's so many people in this movie who are really good. Um, Emily Blunt's really good. Um, And Alison Janney is. And Rebecca Ferguson does as much as she can with this role and the accent and the blonde hair as well, which doesn't look good on her. Um, She really is, you know, trying to make that work. It also has Hayley Bennett from... Magnificent Seven, which we just did, which I was watching this movie and I was like, that girl kind of looks like Jennifer Lawrence, but she's not as good as Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, wait. <laughs> and then I went to Melissa, hang on, I've seen her before, right? Um, because that was exactly the thought process that I had when I saw Haley Bennett in Magnificent Seven. Yeah. I feel like she's the person that if you want somebody kind of like Jennifer Lawrence, you just call Haley Bennett's agent and try to get her in your movie. Um, yeah. She, I just think she's not good. <laughs> Like and and I found her the weakest link of the major cast members in this movie. Um, mm. I just don't nothing that she said. I didn't even that really sad story about her child dying. It just that scene didn't have any like emotional effect on me. Like I wasn't. I I felt it when Rachel was talking about her not being able to have kids, and I didn't really feel it. I was only it was only kind of intellectual thing. Oh, it's sad that she lost her baby, but mm. she, she wasn't giving that to me when I was watching that scene. I felt like she was the weakest link. I yeah, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I I also didn't really feel her. I they were all three of the women were, you know, unreliable narrators, right? Yes. So but uh Hayley Bennett's character felt like the most unreliable right from the start. Like Rachel feels I, I like the way they reveal her unreliability. Like mm. you, it starts off and you don't you don't actually see the alcoholism at first because she's in her own head and so she's talking sensibly and she you don't actually see her do anything other than sit or whatever. And then, like, there's a scene where it breaks out of that and you actually see how bad she looks or well, she's made to look bad and She creepy. looks like a zombie. Yeah, she made to look I, they, bad they and creepy. so over and, the top with the makeup in this. Or, or lack of makeup. And um, bad and creepy and weird and you suddenly see that she's an alcoholic. And then there's another great reveal further on where – we just assume she's on the train because she's going to work and coming home again. Like, and she even dresses like she might be going to work. And then the police, um, Alison Janney's police officer says, but you got fired a year ago. And that there's like this reveal of, of that as well. Like that the, was meant to be a reveal. I was like, yeah. she clearly doesn't have a job. I just assumed she was going to work. And I, and I was wondering why, um, Hayley Bennett's character and Luke Evans's character didn't have a job because it's a weekday and they are like raking leaves in their yard at eight o'clock in the morning. Like, shouldn't they be going to work like everybody else? And and well, the thing the is, Hayley Bennett so does have a job, and she and probably Luke Evans is going does to work. Too. Yeah, and right? yet we never like th- it's it's one of those things where they there's no realism to any of no, this. They, they, to have, rely they live on. in these massive, gorgeous houses, right? And she's living apparently off her alimony from the husband who has a new wife and a baby to support and this huge house that he's probably paying the mortgage on. Like, how is he paying for that? No, how is anyone paying for that? And also, like, only, you know, sort of swanning into work a couple of times in the whole movie. Yeah, but there's other things. Well, he's always coming home from work in the movie. But there's other things in it to just, like, there's so much kind of ridiculousness every every so often there's there's way too much idiot ball holding where you're just watching somebody like why would you do that that's a stupid thing to do and okay even rachel a lot of the time i was like that's a stupid thing to do but at least i kind of understand where she's coming from she's meant to be that's a stupid thing to do like you're meant to watch her and think that 
Right, but then why do Anna? Why does Anna do those things? Why does Megan do those things? Why does every other character? I mean, freaking Luke Evans does these idiotic things, and you're like, what are you doing? The only person with any sense in this whole movie is Alison Janney. <laughs> I, it's it's so frustrating because you want to root for these characters, and then you're like, but why are you doing idiotic things? It's so frustrating. It doesn't make sense. Who behaves this way? Who behaves this way? Well, at least Rachel people has who an- came out of a novel. At least Rachel has the excuse of, like, being an alcoholic. But the the melodrama level is so high that, like, and you're constantly just zoomed right in on people's faces. And mm. it's it's so melodramatic and so kind of – and it's trying so hard to be a thriller. But there's no thrill in it because I already know who did it. <laughs> so, mm. like – and that scene where he actually kills her is so violent. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. prepared. I was actually – I thought they should have backed off on that and also shown it later. Like – it's obvious, like the watching the women figure it out is actually kind of interesting. Like watching mm. the wives figure it out together is interesting. I don't think we needed. I mean, we needed a scene to show him doing it, but it could have come later, like he it, after his arrest, or it, oh no, he got killed, didn't he, with a corkscrew? After his arrest, <laughs> he got killed with a corkscrew. I forgot. Um, but <laughs> how did you forget that? Well, I forgot the corkscrew bit it until just now. It was such a crazy so scene. Funny um, in the middle of the day in broad daylight with the train. Yeah, going by. yeah. But like that, that the reveal I think of of that killing was firstly, yeah, there was too, it was too much to it. Like they didn't. It was kind of gratuitous showing the level of detail in the killing. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't need that much detail. Watching the, the women piece it together mm-hmm. like was enough. Yeah, I agree. Watching her just go off and then, like, him, even just the first time when she hits her head on the rock, you're like, yeah. oh, he killed her. Yeah. Like, it could, it you went on for minutes. Yeah, after you didn't that. need to wake up. Like, that could have been enough. Or even just seeing him shove her. Like, it, it that was all that was needed. Like, you like, need to have a full What I would have done <laughs> is as she's waking up, as Emily Blunt's waking up, you sort of have a couple of, like, jolt scenes where you're like, you see him, like, hitting, but not w- to the extent that we saw it in the yeah. kind of realistic timing that we saw it just like a quick montage of him killing her would have been fine and it wouldn't have had the it was so nasty and it felt like a really kind of cruel way to end megan's character mm. who was one of our point of view characters yeah um it, it was, was really unnecessary unnecessary and, and it was it felt really mean-spirited this yeah. whole movie felt really mean-spirited like there's this note of like optimism at the end of the movie that rings so untrue based on what we've seen in this movie already mm-hmm. the um the movie obviously that this movie is most like and the reason that i think they did this stupid um location change is gone girl yeah right this movie is most like gone girl and and wants to be gone girl and that's why this got picked like gone girl came out a couple of years before this and this came this book only came out like two years ago and it's like got this went straight to being a movie was it gone girl last year yeah gone girl the movie was last year gone girl the book was a couple of years right before that um but yeah, it, it's it is. It's kind of like they saw that this hot novel was a thing, and then why not let's try and recapture that again? Yeah, and it, <laughs> there's this movie called um, Save, uh, no, Take the Lead, which is a remake of a Japanese movie, and it's about it's this movie where Richard Gere learns dancing lessons from Jennifer oh, Lopez. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I couldn't stop thinking about that movie watching this one, um, but I think part of it is that kind of trying to take. Because the Japanese story that he's on the train all the time, he keeps passing by this this dance studio and he keeps seeing this woman and then mm. he eventually goes and gets lessons from her. Um, and it's very it's very light and feel good and cheesy. But again, it doesn't feel like it's an American story. I think that might have been what was triggering these yeah. ideas for me. It just doesn't feel like it's in the right place. 
but um, no. But be, it, I because what I was going to well, talk about. because the thing is, a woman of Emily Blunt's class would take the train in London. Like there are a lot yeah. of people who live outside of London and and take the train in every day. But a person of that class living out on Long Island, where they seem to be living, wouldn't or up upstate New York or wherever it is, she drive in America. Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be on the train. The train is like in America. It's sort of like you know a, a working class thing to do. And so, if these characters are working class, then suddenly all of the stuff about the mother not having a job and these fancy houses and the, you know, all this stuff falls apart. But it falls apart anyway because it's just ridiculously convenient that she's always taking the train past these two houses that she sees into with perfect clarity, even when the yep. two people are and, having sex inside it. And it's the all, house. and she always goes past these houses when there's interesting stuff going on in them and not like when nobody's at home or when like the baby's having a pitching a fit or something. It's never like an, a boring time when right. she goes past. Or like if it is, we don't see it, so it just feels really, really ridiculous, and and that's heightened by the you know the melodrama of it and all that sort of stuff. Oh, Gone Girl, yes, so I was talking about. At least with Gone Girl, and I didn't enjoy Gone Girl very much, but at least everything felt like a consistent part of the same movie. Um, yeah, like that melodrama oh. made so much more sense for those characters. But what I liked better about Girl on the Train than Gone Girl was that it's all from a woman's perspective, at least. Yes, so like you have this kind of somewhat unlikable. Nar- um, narrator character who gets to be a full person and gets to be kind of a villain and stuff, which is why I was so disappointed in the end of the movie that not only was she not the villain, but none of the women were, and it all ended up being his fault anyway. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it was going to be Anna who was going to be the villain. Yeah, because you're kind of like that. It, it's it just strikes me as like defeating the purpose of the story, which is so dark and so twisty and so much about mm. the flaws that these people have. But it almost feels like a cop-out that the most cliched bad guy is the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. And and it did say really interesting and, and accurate things about of abu- about abusive relationships oh, yeah. and about abusers and, and all of that and about alcoholism, but it kind of ties up too neatly with a little bow at the end of it. It's too yeah. pat. And, and um, that, that stuff was actually the, – the alcoholism I thought was really well handled – um, it felt realistic to me. Um, obviously, I've never been an alcoholic, but I did live with one. And the um, the abuse stuff, the when, when it's revealed that she's been gaslit all this time by the husband, yeah. that felt very real. Yeah. And it felt very true as well. Like all this time you've been conditioned to think that Luke Evans is the ab- abusive one. And, and it seems like he, he – well, we don't know if he is. Um, Megan says he is. He could be. There's, there's like – the only evidence that we have of it is that Megan says that he is. Well, also I'm he inc- he um really he hurts Rachel. He abu- he um yeah I'm assaults inclined- her in her house. Yes, but that is right. after she lied to him in significant ways. And you yeah. see women hit men a lot in this movie, and they don't talk about how um women can be abusive towards men as well. No, and in fact, that it's shown that that um Rachel thinks that she has been abusive to her husband, and it's really the other way around. But we see other yeah. women hitting men as well, yeah. don't we? So like. I, I feel like we see Megan hitting a guy at one point, or Anna. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we see another woman hitting a guy at some point. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't remember. But I, I like that. Um, Luke Evans's character's been set up as an, as an abuse. Like, oh yes, you expect him to be that way. But um, Justin Theroux's character, like, he's been set up. He, he's more sort of 
typical in that he puts on a, a, a certain face to the world and he thinks he's getting away with it and he thinks he's putting on a good face. Yeah, but anybody watching the movie can uh, – I don't know if maybe it was just us, but I could tell so quickly. And it didn't help that it was Justin Theroux who doesn't look like – I mean, he looks like a villain in the movie. Well, I, um, I'd never seen the guy before. I didn't know who he was. I guarantee and you you'll have seen him in something before. Like, I was just like <laughs> – in fact, I thought of him as boring, generic guy. So when I first saw him, I was like, he's boring and generic. And that's the point. Like, he's supposed to look normal yeah. from the outside. But there's another thing that he does really early on where he comes home and he, like, puts his fingers on Anna's mouth yeah. and a couple of things like that, that it, it comes off as really gross and, and creepy. Yeah, creepy. I just didn't uh, – uh, but also I was, you know, instantly thinking that Inclined it was him like, anyway. Yeah. But – um. But all the there were all these little things that he did that were icky yeah. that you could just kind of tell that he was yeah and it, and that flashback but, as well where Rachel where it was supposed to be Rachel hitting the mirror yeah while he was on this like he was yeah. like cowering and you're like well that didn't happen and I don't I don't know whether they were trying to to, to me I instantly went that didn't happen like so I wasn't surprised when they revealed that the things like the stuff the thing that she did when she threw. The the at deviled eggs one felt real. Yeah. Um. But that when it was that like extreme thing of her bashing the thing with a hammer, I was like, w w no, with a mallet or something like that it was really odd, and it was really not in keeping with anything else that seemed realistic. It seemed so over the top and unrealistic. Yeah, I. I was more inclined to believe her pushing him on the street than that. Yeah, that. That um, seems much more realistic. But, I could have believed her being abusive as well. Like, I could believe yeah. all these other things that – but there's these moments that just go too far that well, kind of break my, my the, suspension. It, smashing the mirror, I could believe. That it's the way that he was cowering is the problem. Because I would – like, the her being destructive while she's drunk would not surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either, but I didn't think that she was even somebody who had the coordination but, when drunk yeah. to be able to. Like, because every time we see her when she's, she's drunk, stumbling she's, and helpless and right, hopeless. Right, exactly. And, yeah. and her, like, like whacking at people or shoving them, I can totally believe that. Yes. Or throwing something. And, but and her having the ability to swing a mallet while he cowers in, on the yeah. stairs, like, oh, no, don't hurt me. And I'm like, that didn't ha That's not anything yeah. like what we've seen in this movie. Well, yeah, because she, she's kind of a pathetic drunk. And right, when, yeah. when he says she's harmless, he's not wrong. Like we hope he's wrong. We hope that she maybe maybe she did do it. But well, no. But she did she actually is, go into their house and take their baby, which is not harmless. I don't no, care I if know. she just wanted to hold the baby. That's not that, harmless. yeah. That was weird. That was so like that. Yeah, no, that's not harmless. You're but right. I can see. But all of the but that you can see her doing that as well. You can see the the thought process. Oh well, I might as well get in. Oh well, I'm in. I might as well pick her up. Oh well, I picked her up. I might as well take a walk. Like. But all the yeah. psychology behind that makes sense. Yeah. She couldn't have baby. She couldn't have children. His yeah. new wife can have a child. This is the product of her ex-husband yeah, yeah. and his new wife who can give her all the, him all the things yeah. that she couldn't. They were cheating at the time. It, I think she kind of feels a sense of like ownership over yeah. Evie or something like that. And so I get all of uh, – it's not harmless. I think no, that's it's actually harmless. very harmful and that's well, something and, and that she definitely he, did wrong well, and when that he nobody says made up. she's harmless to Anna, he's clearly gaslighting Anna. Right, exactly. And, and so, but I don't, I didn't think she was harmless. I just didn't think that she was capable. And then the other, that was the same thing no. that I felt when I watched her like do the fantasy, act the fantasy out where she bashes yeah. Megan's head yeah. against the ground. You're like, but you don't have the capacity to do no, that when you're drunk. Either she, well, and, uh, and she, nor doesn't. when she's sober, because when she's sober, her shakes are so bad. Yeah. As well. Like she, yeah, physically, like the scariest thing 
that she would do when drunk is like this neglect type stuff. The yeah. like the fact that she's taken this baby, it's horrifying. Not just because she's taken a baby, but because like if she's drunk or even if she's not, she's likely to drop that kid or injure it somehow. Yeah. Um, that's the more scary bit. But yeah, you're right. It's un- very like unbelievable that she smashed someone's head against the ground and dragged dragged a whole body somewhere out to the woods. Like yeah. So from the beginning, you're already going. Well, that's not. It just it also feel like out, something she you know, can she's do. She's our point of view as well. So, like, it, it's dark, but it doesn't seem like it's going to go that dark. I know. I was almost kind of rooting for it to go that dark um, and for her to be the killer of Which it totally could have done if it was British. Right. <laughs> but it also, it wasn't just that. Like, it, it just, watching her do the things that she did in this movie, it didn't feel like she physically <laughs> would have been able to do any of the things that the movie was trying to convince us that she could yeah. do. Like, and that was the problem with that flashback scene where she hits that mirror. You're like, you th- she can't do that. She's well, that she, never I, been shown to be able to do anything like that physically, capable of doing something like that. Mm. I mean, well, she, even when she, she knocks, stand up long enough. To that's right, her. and she knocks Justin through in on the head with something to get away from him in when she's at his and Anna's house at the yeah. end. And even that, she can't do. It. She ba- she barely gets him out of the way, and he's yeah, chasing exactly. her two seconds later. Like so, you can imagine her maybe swinging something around, but swinging something around with such precision that she breaks a mirror would be unlikely. I know it. It yeah. just. That the, those and when she's talking about like <laughs> she talks about how like she can't believe that these things happen that she did those things because it doesn't feel like her and I was like that's because it clearly didn't happen <laughs> so the really re- the kind of reveal that he was gaslighting her even that I was like oh that makes more sense because these things just don't seem like they could have yeah you know well, it, it, and that was the part of the reveal though that to me at least was that kind of sense of yeah that makes sense exactly it does that was that was kind of. That, I don't know that was how it worked for me. Yeah, like oh, a a sense of yeah, no, that's that seems right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it means that the, a lot of the tension is kind of lost. For, part of the tension for me was just the interest of going through all of this with a character who like has our sympathy, but is also not nice. Yeah, I well, was she has in the has idea a, of her not being nice, and to yeah. to reveal that none of the things that she did were actually things that she did, and and she was. Never like that. Yeah, because she's still not nice. She's still a pretty shitty friend and a shitty wife and a shitty ex, or even shittier ex-wife. Like, yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't forgive the stalking or the kidnapping of the baby or the. Although the stalking and stuff, like, I can understand that because there's definitely there's clearly some kind of like Stockholm syndrome type, not Stockholm yeah. syndrome, but you know, battered ex-wife who Ooh. who uh, um. She's so reliant on him at that yeah, point. And, that's, and he's keeping her reliant on him too. He's talking to her. He's engaging oh, with her. Yeah. Um, he doesn't unfriend her on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and Alison Janney points it out at some point too. She's the best character. Yeah, because that movie, was what way. I was thinking. I was like, this has been two years and she is still this hung up on this guy? Like, really? But and, also, yeah. none of these people have anything else in their lives. It's one of the most frustrating things about this movie to me. It's like she does nothing all day but sit on that train, watch people, and sketch them, right? Like nothing else, and drink. Yeah, that's all. And apparently, she, she does. can live off her alimony. Like even to the point of, you know, she has enough money to live and all that, and she's got a terrible, terrible drinking problem. Like this, we see her going to one meeting, I think. But wouldn't you just get bored? Yeah. Like what? Well, what? What does she do on the weekends? Drink. But is that, is that, that's her hobby. That's all she does is drink. I don't know. That's all she does. She drinks. 
she sketches the people that she sees and she obsesses over her ex-husband. She does nothing else. And none of the other people in this movie have any other things that they do in their lives either. Mm-hmm. Like the problem with Luke Evans not having any friends or any family or anybody else that he can go to except this woman he's just met. Like the yeah. fact that, um, at least with Megan, they give her re- reasons for it. But, um, um, Anna has nothing else to do. Nothing else to do. She doesn't even go to like housewives clubs where she like yeah, takes her baby to it's see not other a, babies. We don't see her doing Pilates. We see um Megan doing Pilates. Like right. you, you, she, yeah, we don't even see her like playing tennis or going to the gym. Right. She has no other things in mother's her entire group. life. Yeah, play group for the baby. Like nothing. Uh, the mothers that I see that I know like are, seem to be constantly doing things yes. and getting out of the house with uh, their kids. Yes, exactly. No, that is very, very true. One of my close friends has a six-month-old baby and she's like, I must get out of the house every day. They right. go to the library together. They go to the park. She and goes this is to a the woman shop. who doesn't like, even have a job. Yeah, right. Who had at one point a nanny who always oh, seemed yeah. to be and, – and, and there's all these times when she when – we're told that Anna is out of the house, but we never actually see Anna out of the house. It feels so claustrophobic and unnecessarily so. It's got that that freaking I'm going to call it this from now on forever. I think the high rise problem, where you're like, uh, why don't you guys just get out of this situation? Why don't you guys just talk to somebody outside? Yeah, this tiny group of well, people. Well, that, that's what I mean. Like, surely, like you know, Anna's got a girlfriend from like she's only been with this guy like two maybe three years, right? Yeah. So. At least she's, if she was actually European, you could surely she's got like friends of people, people from her job, family. Like yeah, even if she's not yeah, even if she's European, but well, I, she's supposed to be a realtor that he hooked up right, with, right. Like so, not, she had a job, right? So is she not? Is she not? Did she not have any friends at work? Did she not have like? Has she not anyone? Met it's it's so it's so like frustrating and confusing and you don't understand why these things are happening either again with rachel there's kind of a reason behind it but i don't understand why all these other characters are the way that they are there's no explanation for why this is and it's so heightened and it's so crazy um it's like it's basically like a really a better acted soap opera yeah <laughs> like a, a really really hot girl is, let's be honest i know but yeah. Gone girl as much as i didn't really like Gone girl but it did it with a lot more style than this movie does i think mm. like you know, and it's much more um it, it does, it feels like more of kind of all of a piece of itself. Like the ending yeah. that's so dramatic, like the, the you know, that that, that yeah. mirroring at the beginning of the end where he's stroking her hair and he's like, What is she thinking? and she looks at him. Yeah. Um the the kind of added creep factor for that at the end of the movie to the beginning of the movie. It I mean, that's um is it David Fincher? Yes. Yeah, he's a better director. <laughs> it's done yeah. a lot better. Yeah. And that the story makes a lot more sense. Her being terrible but him also being terrible kind of makes sense yeah in this movie her ending up being like an optimistic mm. looking to the future i'm not the girl i used to be no you're not because you're clearly in your 30s and you're not a girl that kind of stuff just it's weird and it doesn't fit feel like it fits with the rest of the movie mm. yeah anyway should we give it a rating because we could probably talk about it for another half yeah I need, to, I need to think about the rating just for a minute because like i didn't I mean, there are so many problems with it, but at the same time, it also kind of was pacey and engaging. But I just kept finding these big holes in things. Mm-hmm. I kept having questions, so I think I have to go with like two stars. Yeah, I was going to say two stars. Yeah. Like I, I, I so I was rooting for it so hard so often. And Emily that Blunt scene. is so good, but yeah. not every, not everyone's as good as her. Not yeah, that's another thing. But there's that scene as well where Alice and Janney tries to 
get Emily Blunt to confess to the murder in the bar- women's bathroom. Yeah, that I thought was really cool. I liked that scene more, but again, the scenes that I actually liked as opposed to the rest of them. And uh, yeah, Alice and Jenny was so much better than everybody else in this movie. Yeah, well, uh, Alice and Jenny and, and Emily Blunt. I think Emily Blunt was good. And the movie would have been so much better if it had ended maybe a minute and a half earlier with that scene with Anna saying. Um, she was right. She was right about everything. Cut to credits. Yes, right. That was the end. Because it's was a really the the sappy on the nose last line from memory. Like, it, 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 oh yeah, because yeah. she's like, oh, I'm a different girl. I'm looking forward, yeah, and I don't yeah. sit in the same seat because I'm a different girl than I used to be. Yes. Which, whereas the um, the Rachel was right about everything is is delivered with a slightly creepy kind of edge to it. Yeah. Um, so that you can almost believe that they're still not reliable narrators. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. It, that was the end of the movie, right? That yeah. was the good end of the movie. And then it keeps going and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's much more ambiguous and fun yeah. that way. Um, but yeah, and even then it was still a little cheesy, but yeah. not quite as on the nose as the real ending was. So yeah, I, I have to give it two stars. I just find it so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. In spite of the fact that it's actually quite polished. And yeah, then, well, that's the thing. That's what I mean about being engaging. Like I, was, I didn't get bored. But at the same time, I was sitting there thinking, but hang on, why is that? Mm, but hang on, isn't that? Oh, yeah, exactly. You're just like, why? Why is this? What What has happening in this movie? Yeah. And how does nobody stop her from doing the things that she's doing? Like the police are there, but they're all just kind of like, oh, yeah, we know she's doing that. Yeah, stuff. Like, why is like, there no restraining order out on her? Right. I mean, obviously, it's because the husband is keeping her dependent, right? But the what about Anna? Yeah, but why surely Anna, Anna take out an restraining yeah. order. I know. Well, then Anna goes to um, to Dallas and Janie and is not believed with all the phone calls and stuff. Well, no, it's not that she doesn't believe her, but she brought that to her. If she brought that stuff to her as like, can you please like get out, take Trace out a restraining these. a restraining yeah. order would be a different situation, right? But she never. She does. went to her and said, "This is the proof that Rachel killed." Megan and you're like that isn't even with the audience are like that isn't proof that Rachel ki- killed Megan that's not yeah. what that is that is like at best proof that she was like inappropriately having a relationship with her yeah. ex-husband which is not quite the same thing no but um, yeah. but if she had if she had yeah, gone, she could have gone for a restraint like i imagine most normal women with any I, and maybe she's had a couple of years of abuse and now she has no self-esteem, but most normal women would have gone for a restraining order on that. At not, least against Rachel. Yeah, and if not for herself, for her kid. Right, exactly. And she has that, that that Rachel came in and took the kid. She's backed up by right. her husband on that one. So, like, yeah. that at least could have get, gotten somewhere. I know that they were trying to go for this whole um, people don't believe women who um, – yeah. but to be fair – that's a very good reason why they wouldn't believe Rachel, which is that she keeps lying to them anyway. And she's always drunk. And she's drunk, yes. And she's been lying to them, to yeah. everybody's faces. So what reason do they have? She's the boy who cried wolf in this situation. Uh-huh. It's not that people don't believe women. It's that people don't believe this woman who is clearly lying, and who, or not in that situation, but has been lying consistently through the whole thing. Yeah. Like There's no kind of good reason for, that to ha- for her, them to believe her. She hasn't given them the information that they need to have. And if I feel like if everybody had just given Alice and Janney all the information they had, she would have had this movie figured out in five minutes right. and we wouldn't have had to watch it. Well, that was what I was thinking at the end is like the it would have been no – like instead of going to their house and trying to get Anna on her side, if Rachel had gone straight to Alice and Janney with the evidence that she had against her ex-husband – then Al- like would have gone a whole lot easier. He may not have needed to be killed with a corkscrew. Well, I didn't mind that he died, but no, I on- quite honestly, like it, it just even if it if everybody at the beginning of the movie, right at the start, 
if um, Rachel had gone to um, Alice and Janney and said, these are all the things that have been happening. And then if Anna had gone to Alice and Janney and, and go, said, these, these are, all- are all the things that have been happening. And if um, the husband had gone to Alice and Janney and said, these are all the things that have been happening, then she would have figured it out. I'm sure of it. She yeah. was the only sensible person in this whole movie. She would have figured out who did it if everybody had just given her the information that she needed and stopped lying to everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That was the other thing. You remember at the end of the movie where she looks at that statue and she's like, oh, all of us are connected by this story now and there's the Uh, statue with the three girls holding hands. Also on the nose, yes. That wasn't just on the nose. I laughed because I was like, that is terrible. (laughs) That is probably the worst thing in this whole movie so far is this stupid like visual metaphor for the thing that she's actually saying at the time that it's happening. I hated it. That I think that lost might have lost me, lost it half a star just by itself. (laughs) But that I was, was laughing bad. like three or four times towards the end of the movie because I thought it had gotten so silly. Yeah, it definitely did. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of The Girl on the Train, I nearly called it Gone Girl. Um, <laughs> the Girl on the Train, it's on her blog. Wanna be Gone Girl. Silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens at screen underscore queens on Twitter and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. That's another really interesting thing about this versus Gone Girl. Gone Girl actually does discuss the infantilization of women and Gone Girl is a very specifically titled book because people thought of her as a girl, Uh whereas the girl on the train never does that. They just... No. She just unironically refers to herself as being not the girl she used to a be. A girl, and she's our age. Yeah, yeah. And I, that was another. Like, I feel like Gone Girl went into that kind of uh, meta stuff uh-huh. much more than this movie did. Yeah, and it's possible that in the novel that it did, but it didn't in the movie at all. No, I'm only talking about the movies because yeah, I haven't read. No, the we. Books. I haven't read the. I've I've read Gone Girl, but I haven't read this one. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>